everybody. Welcome to the Actual Garbage Podcast, Consumption Log Boo Boo Bop. I'm your host, David Paddock. We've got the standard movie crew here, Nicole and standard Ryan. Standard movie crew, Standards. Nicole. We watched Aliens. Yes, we did. I watched it for the first and second time. Nice. I haven't seen the prequel, but I've been told that uh, that's not entirely necessary to enjoy it. That's correct. All right. They do stand well on their own. Ryan. Yes. You have the floor. Oh, okay. So I chose Aliens. Uh, for those of you not familiar with the panoply of the Aliens quadrant quadrilogy, uh, there is Alien, Aliens, Alien 3, and Alien Resurrection. These four movies make up uh, the Alien series, and um, they're especially notable because each of the four movies are helmed by a different individual. The first one is directed by Ridley Scott. The second one is directed by James Cameron. The third one is directed by James Fincher. And the fourth one is directed by Jean-Pierre Jeunet. And I wanted to choose this movie particularly to kind of step down on the pretension level a little bit, I guess, <laughs> the movies that we've been selecting. Um, That's a lot coming from you because you're as pretentious as you get. Exa- oh, exactly. And But at the same time, I've always, I think I've always, having to like mention or defend the fact that I like I like Hollywood movies. Are you that trying I like. to relate to the common man. Yeah, this is this is me. I mean, if I ever drank a, a Coors Light out of a can, this is my version of drinking and, Coors out of a can. And pointed at someone in an ad and said, "I'm just like you." Yeah, exactly. With a hard hat on. Yeah, and a... no, yeah. Well, I've been growing a beard recently, you know, so I feel <laughs> I feel like I can connect with these uh, certain people. But Ugh. but at the same time, I. I mean, I do want movies to be fun, and I kind of, we, we talked about it when we did The Incredibles, and we talked about, you know, right. superhero movies in general, the idea that, um, you know, I like a movie that kicks ass. I mean, I like a movie that rocks, and not everything has to be this high-minded kind of, you know, it, it, did it do it first, did it do it second, um, you know, how is it a great movie, what, what technically is very good about it, the subtleties of the psychology and the character. I mean, really, all this shit gets kind of tossed by the wayside. It's not to say that the movie lacks in these qualities, but that it, it falls within a certain range of mainstream America to where we can just see what's going on. We don't have to overthink it because it both makes sense and yet is fun and enjoyable and action-y. I mean, I think that kind of the same way that that a movie that can kind of latch onto this is another great movie from the 80s, late 80s as well, which is Die Hard, which is right. another, a movie I also enjoy quite a, quite a great deal. I, I too enjoy the Die Hard series. Absolutely. I mean, straightforward plot, um, you know, straightforward characters, motivations are fairly, you know, fairly down the line. And then... You know, the the thing is, is that the filmmaking, to, to call it competent, sounds like you're, you're putting it down, but it doesn't get in the way of anything. I mean, it, right. it, it and then it, to a certain extent, it requires a kind of a deft touch to be able to accomplish that. And I feel that Aliens, directed by James Cameron, who I quite like, who also did the Terminator, uh, uh, Terminator movies. And he movies. also did, as far as movies that people can follow very easily, yes. he did Titanic and Avatar. Yes, so he, yeah. I mean, noted for his ability to craft a budget. I, I looked over, and if you go by a per-movie basis, he has his movies have earned per movie that he's directed, more money than any director. I mean, if you go by, like, per capita movie, so to speak. Right. Between the Terminator series, between Aliens, uh, between Titanic and Avatar. Did he do one and two on the Terminator series? Yes, he did. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, David Foster Wallace bemoans the fact that he fell so far to make T2 after making a thriller like T1. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So he... and But I, I wanted to kind of pick this because... I love this movie. I love the series. I love Hollywood movies. I like action movies. I love Giger art. Yeah, I love Giger art as well. <laughs> it's um, I mean, there's just a lot to this thing. So let's go ahead and jump into this fucker to get this uh, going, shall we? Sure. Okay, cool. So the movie opens up in space, and uh, I think that one of the initial things we'll kind of have to just deal with is whether or not this is a, a sci-fi movie. Is this a monster movie? Is this a, uh, a war movie? Is this a horror movie? Uh, but you're in space. And you see a floating ship, and it gets absorbed by another ship. These guys on board come onto the ship. They find that there's a living human who's been in this, like, cryogenic sleep state. uh, And they brush her off, and it is Sigourney Weaver's character, very famous Ellen Ripley. And we find out she's been floating in space for 50-some-odd years. And there is questions surrounding what the hell happened to her. Now, what happened to her is in the first movie. But yes. that's not, you don't have to have seen that because she now will explain what happened to her to all of the officials that have found her. Yeah, it's kind of cool because each, you know, each movie kind of catches you up on where we were previously. And then the story of where, of her new environs, if you will. Because each story, I think the interesting thing about the series is that each 
movie contains the same enemy, the well, same bad alien it, well, itself. And then she's the link to those aliens in all the movies. So yes. all you have to know is Ripley because nobody else in the movies know what's going on except her when it comes to these aliens. And that's like a common link through all yeah. of them. And so that, but then each movie itself is kind of different as well. And I like that, you know, Alien is a different movie than Aliens. Uh, Alien 3 is a strange little <laughs> mishmash of a movie. And Alien Resurrection just jumps off the cliff into fucking, you know, uh, ayahuasca journey through sci-fi world. It's insane and great all in its own way. Uh, and it's very cool because these movies, once again, you don't, it's like one of the problems with, a, with like Batman movies is that every fucking Batman movie, you have to establish the fact that Bruce Wayne had his parents killed as a child. In yeah, why? Awesome. Okay, that's like a comic book problem is that you have to establish the origin story every goddamn time. Well, they started doing that because someone noticed that it's exceptionally profitable. It's a very easy <laughs> way to actually build a story. You barely need villains uh, because the world generates them yeah. it's it's a convenient method to get through the first half of your movie okay right. well this one doesn't re keep regenerating the origin story but basically you know ripley they find her they interrogate her and lo and behold she goes right back out again yes about 15 minutes into the movie i'd well, say and because I, mean, I think the cool thing about the the setup is is that you know, she is, she has lost her life, right? It's 50, I mean, being asleep for 56 years and, you know, waking up and being as old as you were essentially the day when you went to sleep. Um, I mean, she has nothing, but she's also very affected by the events of Alien, the first Alien movie. I mean, it, it, she is haunted by this. And when she, what she finds out is, is that the company that she works for, which if we can get into the theme about the company is how oh, they refer yes. to yeah. it. Um, Whalen Utani. Yeah, Whalen Utonics, the company. Um, she goes back to the uh, world, the planet, I guess, where the first movie took place because there's now a colony of terraformers, these people that are going to turn the atmosphere uh, um, uh, to something livable on this planet. And they, uh, this is where the original we alien are movie told. took place. Yeah, we're told that this Given is the case. Given that there's no evidence of that. No, yeah, exactly. Well, and that also, it's strange, too, that the movie just, I mean, the, her essentially being on the starbase, if you will, or wherever, they're in space, you know, she's on a starbase or something. I mean, it just blows through. I mean, you're assuming that time goes by because there's, she gets a haircut between like one scene where she's like explaining something, and then she, her hair is shorter in the next scene when she ex, when they go back. Oh and yeah, no, that. she she debriefs a a bunch of suits in a room yeah. for about three and a half hours. They don't believe him, and then three movie minutes later. They lose contact with the colony in question. Yes. Of course. Like, despite yeah. there being 57 years of radio, not radio silence per se, but yeah. nothing going wrong. And then magically, this is just suddenly, this is... The, the day she shows up, all yeah. of a sudden there's something awry <laughs> on happens. the colony. Yeah. As if it was almost waiting for Ellen Ripley to wake up. But that's, uh, that's a little alien resurrection right now. <laughs> so, uh, oh, does that uh, does that actually play in at some point? That movie is batshit nuts it's, crazy it, good, man. It's, it's so just, fucking it's crazy. It's just whack. It's just out there. Yeah, it's, right. just, it's cool. It's really good. But no, okay, so... Um, <laughs> So the thing is, is that... So there is a reason. Yeah, there's a... Yeah, sure. Someday. Sure. Someday there's a reason yeah. why this happens. This has to happen. So, um, but one of the things, too, is that I like, um, you know, I like this movie. And before we get going into this, um, Ellen Ripley, for one thing, she's a female protagonist. And I don't think we've had a movie that starred a female no, character. No, we haven't. And she's actually one of the tougher ones that has survived throughout, you know, the last couple of decades of movies because I mean this was 79 would have yep. been when she made her appearance in Alien in Alien yep. and then 86 is Aliens and it goes through till 98 99 or yeah. so Alien Resurrection yeah. and no James Cameron of the stuff that I've seen from him seems to be a fan of the uh of the butch female protagonist in mm -hmm. this form yeah I mean it showed back up in Avatar which I, I mean don't I always I always Liked it, yeah. You know, but well, I'm Sarah Connor's biased. a prominent, yeah. Strong Sarah yeah. Connor is yeah. the other one I was trying to think of. Yeah, and I think that well, it's once again something that is, you know, there's a a, a film joke about called the Brechtel test where. Um, it is the. It's meant to demonstrate that so few movies actually involve. Oh, Bechtel. Bechtel sorry, test. sorry. I, say, okay, I apologize. Yeah, yeah, for my pronunciation. No, I like. I like this test a lot. Yeah, but it's like you know. Well, uh, is this? Are movies actually focused on? Females or female problems, and the first one is: Is there actually a female character in the film? <laughs> does she say anything to anyone else? If she does talk, does she talk to 
does she talk about anything other than a man? And it's like this, like the little I forget those details, well, and I'm well, the, the, I, I think the I think the final formulation of it is: you pass the Bechtel test if there is a scene where a woman talks to another woman and they are not talking about a man. Yes, exactly. Oh wow! And okay. and apparently less than half of films pass this. Yeah, test. don't sure. even go close to it. So, <laughs> that's sure. right. So I'm this sure. passes the Bechtel test, and I mean, I was just you know why? I mean, it hadn't really been conscious on my mind but then I was like aliens and I was like you know he hadn't uh, her to a certain extent has a very prominent role for a female character but then it's like a, but it's in a weird context you know, body well like and for... okay and to be fair Spring Breakers was a female cast excellent yeah absolutely yeah, yeah. that was all that was and all ladies. no one had agency in that movie yeah, yeah. so <laughs> well and Zootopia has a female bunny as Officer Hops so yeah there we yeah. go alright so, all right. so I mean in a weird obscure way we have <laughs> sort of picked some things with female protagonists no but it doesn't happen often and now that you bring it up I mean really Ripley probably is one of my, you know, more highly liked female mm-hmm. protagonists. Um, you know, she's not quite as high up as maybe Juliet Lewis in Natural Born Killers, but right, yeah. that's about as high as it gets for me. Oh uh, yeah, well she's definitely, <laughs> not, definitely not as colorful as all that. Um, but one of the I, thi- I have to go with Kill Bill. Yeah, oh, that absolutely. one's good. But that one's too. That one's what right, the, right what up there. What's her name? The bride. It is just the bride. Uma. Beatrix Thurman. Kiddo. Oh yeah, yeah. Beatrix yeah. Kiddo. Yeah. Okay. God, I couldn't think of the well, name. Well, I mean, they, they don't give you the name till right at the end. Yeah, no. Well, and not even in the first <laughs> movie. Not even yeah. the first movie is your name given away. Yeah. So, but anyways, all right. But yeah, I mean, no. that's, but that's what, that we're three characters out of, that's, yeah. that's all we can come up with. It's yeah. a short list. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but also that she, and well, okay, so one of the things I kind of like about the Alien series in general is that, um, well, for the first movie, Alien is 79, and then this is 86, and, but, uh, you know, Ripley's a blue-collar woman. We find out that she's a, a dock yeah, worker. Yeah, she's a dock worker. And in the first Alien, the movie, they're essentially miners. They're like on this <laughs> massive ship. Who just they just move minerals from between starbases. She's a welder, just yeah, like the flash dance. Yeah, uh, oh yeah no, I, the only job she can get fifty-seven years later is moving stuff around inside a big old construction thing. And might I say that um, for as much as space, always in the real world has this fragility to it. Right. There is an like a heavy metal aesthetic yes. to all of the space in this movie. Absolutely. Like okay. there's no fragility to okay, any of okay. it. Okay, okay, and that is why I think I mean, I know we're moving a little slowly on the the storyline, which is odd because the sto- there's so little story well, here. The story, the story for the first half an hour is them basically suiting yeah, up for the yeah. first yeah, encounter. We're, we're getting so. setting yeah. going on here. Yeah. Okay. But um the setting here I think heavily dictated all future Batman films. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like the camera angles, the movement. Okay, here's what it was. The movement of that vehicle. Right. It looked like the... Shit, the look of that vehicle. It looked like Bat, the Batmobile the... or the later Batmobile that was armored. It had the same movement. It had mm-hmm. the same shape. You could tell it was going through the probably same sound stage. Right. Like, I saw every Batman movie in this movie. Well, it, and but it's also I from think, a setting perspective. Well, and how this movie tends to I think very s- set up this idea of space aesthetics is that you know, it's not some over-stylized, you know, like magazine conception of what space and space travel would look like. I mean, these are like these are blue-collar no, this people. Is blue, yeah, these they're are like tr- mining like colonies. Well, trucker space truckers, yeah. right? Like yeah. they're fucking <laughs> hauling they're long hauling shit through space. Yeah, no, and, StarCraft borrowed from right. this aesthetic almost completely yeah. hand in glove. And so it kind of keeps this very, I mean, space would be just, the, I mean, it have to be big machines, and these big machines need a lot of, like, lubrication, and they need a lot of, like, welding done, and it, you have to be strong to be able to do it. And and she has, well, as a dock worker, she's not, like, merely physically lifting boxes. She has a big robotic unit that she gets into that she moves everything Very essential, with. yes. To, yeah, yeah, so she has, so she's, like, basically... Turns herself into a transformer to do this dock yes. work because this is this is heavy lifting stuff that you can't do as just a person. Right. Yeah. But once again, it sets up. Once I think it's so. She's a machine operator. Yeah, essentially. and it's so different than how like space is kind of conceived of in so many movies leading up to this. There's right? no plastic. Exactly. It's not clean. It's just metal. Yeah. And well, okay. <laughs> so at, things to borrow on, and I I saw so many tropes, and we'll get to them. But like 
Battlestar Galactica. Like once you get like the worlds are nice, but once you get into space, like yeah. it is dingy and miserable. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it would be. I mean, you're you know, it's, it's yeah, like it's, the air quality shitty and all the oh spaceships. yeah, and of course there's people smoking on spaceships. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah, so right from the get go, <laughs> right from the goddamn get go, there are people smoking in spaceships. This does not stop. It only increases throughout the movie. Cigars. Yeah. Battlestar Galactica. I mean, even though it was 25 years later and people don't smoke in movies anymore, yeah. there was people smoking in spaceships in goddamn Battlestar Galactica <laughs> from, like, 10 years ago. Nice, like, nice. I I don't know how cigarettes get to When be, they get healthier in the future, but... Or just, like, how how do they make it into space? Like, it's like, oh, let me bring this carton, and then we yeah. gotta keep getting a supply. To, to, I it just... it None of it makes you know, sense flammable logistically. Flammable materials. Tobacco yeah. Trends, yeah, tobacco trends are cyclical, Nicole. Like, <laughs> Come back. Yeah, clearly. Okay, well, dog workers still smoke heavily in the future. Oh, and and soldiers smoke. Yes. Yeah, they do. So Ripley gets coerced and agrees to go back to LB-9426, this planet where she first encountered the... They picked up the aliens, so to speak. And they don't necessarily believe her story. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, she's... Who would? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's been gone for 57 years, and there's been no activity in that time. Like, it literally... it makes sense to question her yes. at some point, especially given that the movie starts with a dream. Yes. Where I actually got confused the first time I watched it and thought that she imagined she had been in a cryostasis for 57 years. Yes. Because she wakes up from that. Yes. Um, Initially. Which apparently then, that was not the idea, but... Well, and, and that it's... Absolutely. And that she, like, ima- she has these kinds of fever dreams, but also, I mean, you know, essentially, where do they find her? She is floating in an escape pod... From being jettisoned from a star cruiser kind of thing where, that she has self-destructed. She's the only survivor of a self-destructed massive ship that this company owned. I mean, yeah, there's, you know, I'd have some questions yeah, for you, Miss Ripley. Like some implausibility yeah, going on so, there. But regardless of which, they apparently trust her. They lost con- contact with the colony where this whole incident started from in the first movie. And we're going back. And her, uh, her accompaniment for this trip trek to LB-9426 is a group of space marines. Well, literally. yes, it's space marines and Paul Reiser, who is the <laughs> shifty company man. Yeah, he's our okay. he's our company man, yeah. Okay, so so I want to get to this this bunch of, of space, because here's like a new trope. So we're all on the ship, everyone's waking up out of their cryo so that they can get moving and get on with the mission. Yeah. Okay, why is it in space movies that whenever you have a really dangerous mission or a really expensive mission or some, like, major piece of space history, your entire ship is filled with a bunch of yahoos that don't want to do anything? (laughs) This movie started it. Prometheus, it's the exact same concept. They're on, like, the biggest, most expensive scientific mission in the world, and as soon as something goes wrong, their, their whole cast of characters in the ship are a bunch of yahoos that are like, well, I want to go home. And it's like, didn't you know it was a one-way trip to begin with? Right. Um, Catherine Bigelow was married to James Cameron at some point, right? Yes. Okay, is that why they divorced? Because of their disparate respect for the military? <laughs> because Catherine Bigelow made Zero Dark Thirty, which is unapologetically pro-American, and um, The Hurt Locker. And The Hurt Locker. Right. Oh, geez, I didn't see either And of those. James Cameron, every movie I've seen from James Cameron... The military is basically a bunch of rednecks. Yeah. Well, these are, like, you get the sense that, too, that there's, like, this idea of the militaries where people who maybe don't fit into the rest of society end up. And so, I mean, they're they're people who just, like, work out, smoke... You know, and kill shit for a living. Like, oh, that's I know, what but they do. I know, like, but that is an aesthetic understanding of the military. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. He, and, but he kind of just goes like in this. Disney movies, all cops eat donuts or are represented as donuts. But that, yeah. <laughs> but also, uh, one of the, one Wreck, of the, uh, Wreck It Ralph, the cops just are donuts. Nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I got to say, one of the cool things is is that the one thing this group of Marines have is some top notch level banter. I mean, they got it going back and forth. They're giving each other shit. There was like this badass Hispanic Marine named female named Vasquez. Okay, so and Vasquez. Like, hey, Vasquez, have you ever been mistaken for a man? And she's like, no, have, have you? you? Like, so Vasquez is one of my favorite characters. And she is important because she gave Michelle Rodriguez every movie role she's ever had. <laughs> um, because every single role Michelle Rodriguez has ever played is just a variation on yeah. this Vasquez character. So, but we get like all kinds of people. We get, we get. Oh, um, we also get Blake. 
blatant Mexican jokes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was a little weird. Very blatant Mexican jokes. Some things never change yeah. Yeah, in the future. It's like Trump's been president for 40 years already. And uh, the Marines or whoever the hell these yahoos are on this sure. particular ship are sponsored by Reebok. Yes. Yes. Uh, but also, so, so we get some, but we get some quality actors uh, in the Marines as well. We get uh, Michael Bean, yes. uh, who plays Hicks. Uh, who we, we also get, see later in Terminator. Yep, he is. Yeah. Uh, he is, of course, John Connor's father. Well, no, Spoiler earlier alert. in Terminator. Yeah, or, earlier. Yeah, he's in, in the first yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. he's yeah. the first one. So and then we get. Um, uh, and then we get uh, Bill also, Paxton, who it plays also Hudson. makes it easy to tell who you're supposed to sympathize with. Yes, absolutely, because <laughs> we got, already had him. Yes, <laughs> Bill Paxton is great. Yeah, he's got. Uh, but uh, but Michael Bean's got he, like good guy level looks. You know, like he's yeah. got that there for him there. But yeah, but uh, but once again, so they go there. I mean, I don't want to get into all this drag down shit that goes into it. They get to the fucking planet. They unload. They're moving around. They 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 find out that Ripley's story might be real as they go to this colony and clearly. The colonists barricaded themselves in part of it, and then there's, but there's no trace of them. Like it's like life stopped, um, and they're just gone. Like the colonists aren't anywhere, yeah. and so you know they're trying to figure out what exactly yeah, happened. They're not, here. Their sensor readings aren't really working. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I've got these. Well, one of the great tropes too. So I wanted to kind of maybe back up a little bit here and try to talk about some of the the mechanics of why this is a good action movie. Okay. Um, I mean, one of the things you have is that um, they have these little sensors. Uh, uh, motion detectors. Must be some interference or something. There's movement all over the place. If you will, right? And you kind of carry them in your hand. They look <laughs> like a Geiger counter. And like a Geiger counter, they respond with sound, right? So as soon as something within range begins to move, you get this like beating, beeping sound. And of course, in all like like all good movie tropes, the closer the danger, the, the faster, faster the beat moves forward. And so. You know, you get this good rhythmic kind of pace to the thing. Uh, it's it's obviously, you know, specific enough that it can detect movement to be useful, but lacking in specificity so that you really don't know what the fuck is coming at you. I mean, it, there, there are points when that screen seems entirely wrong. Subjective, maybe. <laughs> like, Let's just yeah, that. that, well... That yeah, that seems to be a problem too. Just with the characters in general, as they run into problems with the fact that they just don't work that well. <laughs> <laughs> but like real life, I mean, you know, like yeah, you know, yeah. Have, oh, yeah. I mean, maybe they're not they're not attuned to pick up you know the aliens. I as mean, maybe well this as... was a low priority mission. You know, given that the guy they sent, the lieutenant, the commander they sent, this is like third, kind of a third mission, second mission, some shit. Complete dipshit. Yeah. Like yeah, no. So, but, but as you kind of like go through the 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 overall story and the way that this kind of moves through, for one thing, it's real. Like I said, it's real dark. It's industrial. Um, you know, they're moving through the the uh, this terraforming uh, s complex. I guess they're in. Oh, and actually, as part of the industrial side of this, this may also just be a Cameron affectation. Although I remember Terminator being hazy red. Um, this whole planet is hazy blue, yep. almost like it's. Uh, Broadcasting his affection for the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> um, that this was basically a spelunk. Oh, see, because yeah. the first one was more of a hazy green. Yeah, it's... well, but that wasn't Cameron. No, that was Ridley Scott. Yeah, yeah, it was Ridley Scott. Yeah, but it's it's in film school. They kind of you know you you tend to talk about this like this like dominating tone of your movie. You know, like some movies very famously have this like sepia kind of yeah, orange like amber. Feel. Yeah, this amber feel and this blueness that kind of takes over. I mean, it is a. I mean, looking at it is a pretty dark movie. I mean, it, extremely. Yeah, yeah, that's I mean, why I said that's. I saw Batman everywhere. Yeah, because yeah, all no. the Batman movies carried that. Well, the, the camera angles there were they were all very very close up shots. Even when there were like hallways and they had the ability to put characters in perspective, mm -hmm. Cameron always either shows their face or shows like exactly what they see. Yeah, and just flips between and, them. He yeah, never okay. gives you a full idea of what any of the okay, rooms. Okay, and that's like. where these things start turning a little bit. That's almost more of a horror movie trope because you there have a go, big yeah. alien. You yeah. have a big monster that you don't want to just totally give away, and you know. I think that that style carried over from the first movie. Mm -hmm. um, even though they do at the end, you do get to spend more time with the alien because obviously they spent a lot of time making that prop yeah. and it's amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that carries over from like the kind of like horror factor of them not wanting to reveal the alien immediately. Right. So like you get everything gets close in and claustrophobic. Well, and, and also even non spaceships, they tend to do that just as a yeah. as well, but, a mood. But even thing. again, even in areas that were relatively large, like there were parts where there were like platforms with equipment and stuff. The only place 
I can even think of where they showed the whole apparatus was the lab. Mm-hmm. Like, all the rest of the time, you can't actually get an idea. Like, it, it works relatively well. You can't actually tell where you are yeah. at any given time because the camera is constantly jumping shots. Yep. And there are enough characters around that you're just to go face through. Shots it's just everyone. disorienting yep. the whole time. No, and I think that you know it's 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 unstabilizing, and at the same time you're wanting to, uh, you know, you're slowly kind of going deeper and deeper into this world, so to speak, right? You've got the the little the little uh, space platform where we have the the Sulaco, the ship that they're on, and then you're down on the planet, and then you're in the complex, uh, and then. Uh, they go. They make their first pass through the complex, and they don't really find anything. But they figure it's safe enough that the you know barricades so for the people that are now disappeared. If it was safe enough for them, it must be safe enough for us, right? So we just well, you know so we well, use the we do, loosest definition of do. the word secure I've ever heard of. We, Absolutely, <laughs> we do find something. Yes, we find a feral child. Oh yes, yes. 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 So yeah. <laughs> so when our first glimpse of the um, motion detector uh, goes off and. As it as this motion comes towards them, uh, it comes to be this young child who uh, they call Newt, and uh, Ripley connects, uh, goes after Newt and, and connects with her and tries real hard to connect well, with her. You know, you might expect that someone who had seen maybe like a hundred of her fellow, you know, um, colonists, if or you will, or this girl at least has seen the same alien, which yes. Ripley so far like nobody really knows if she's. Oh, exactly. The truth so yet. she would have that yeah. fucking you know we've been through this together yeah. kind of an approach. And um, well, of course, the child's name is uh, her, her, is Newt is the <laughs> child's name. Like all, that's what she goes by. Yeah, that's what she goes by, and uh, clearly not a self-selected nickname, if I say so myself. But um, uh, but regardless of which they find her now, Nicole is wanting to kind of mention here that this feral child syndrome in film is uh, on the board. Yeah, on the board. Now. Yeah, we, I haven't. I I unfortunately didn't do uh, my research like I was supposed to, but I feel like this is a a solid 80s movie trope. Like, I know Mad Max's in, employed feral children. Yep. Like, that movie Hook was, like, a bunch of feral children. Yep. I just feel like that's, like, an 80s movie thing. And maybe this movie started it. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I, I, I'll, I'll verify that later. Yeah. And so... But regardless of which, they, they eventually find out where these colonists are actually held. And, of course, it's like a sub-basement of a sub-basement um, way down in the colony. And the Marines suit up, and they're going to go down and find this area where these colonists are held. They have like pers- they have like locators or some shit. Well, whatever. But they they're going to go down and they're going to find where these at. Well, they go down and the thing is is that you know, sequels always have to kind of up the ante from the first film, right? This is kind of like the, the thing about uh the thing about um about these kinds of movies. And so Alien had one alien on it. Yeah. They they the the Miners go down to this LB-426. This is the first movie. They go down to LB-426. One of the guys gets the facehugger alien on him. They bring him back onto the ship. They blow out that. They blow out of the fucking place. And uh, when the facehugger falls off, of course, we know that it's implanted the actual xenomorph inside his chest. And, it, of course, it, uh, it, it uh, births, if you will. Yes, yes. Very famous scene. Yeah, very famous scene. And then, um, but the whole movie is then dealing with this one alien on this ship. Uh, we Aliens is, of course, the sequel, and the reason it's plural is that there is a fucking hive of there's these a Yeah, there's a now. colony, essentially, and yes. it's, it's I, I would say, thinking of them as ants, like huge, scary ants. Nasty. Like, just the way that they're, um, they're, like, their social structure works. Because these are, I mean, these are some very, very famous in the, in, the, in the movie monster tradition, right? The, the xenomorphs of aliens are probably one of the most famous okay. creatures. I, I yeah. have a xenomorph tattooed on my body. Famously designed by Swedish <laughs> artist H.R. Giger yes. in the 1970s. Um, let, let's, let's just talk about a xenomorph here, if you will. Um, <laughs> it's hard to... I, for one thing, if it ever smiled at you, you'd notice it would be smiling twice at you because the xenomorphs have one set of jaws... And when they open that one set of jaws, there is, in fact, a smaller set of jaws which can protrude out and say hello to you as well. And they're basically like a huge exoskeleton that's like the size of a seven or eight foot person. Yes. But also filled with acid for blood. Yes, and their blood is like acid. It melts through everything. It will melt through your spaceship. Yeah. But they're <laughs> essentially parasitic. I mean, they're first, they're, they're, there are eggs. These eggs have little face huggers. These little face huggers jump on your face, insert um, the xenomorph into your body. And when the xenomorph is ready, it bursts out of your chest 
and then grows very quickly as it sheds its skin, becoming the full-size nasty little xenomorph monster that we know. Yes. Now, the marines are there. Oh, go ahead. Oh. Oh, yeah, we can keep going. Yeah, Marines yeah. are there. Um, shit happens. A bunch of them die. Ripley yeah. goes in, bashes them, saves them, hauls them out again. Uh, we're down about a dozen Marines, and we've only got a couple people left. And, of course... Um, Ripley finally gets to say, I told you so. Yeah, Ripley gets to say, I told you so. And that these things are really, really dangerous. But, of course... <laughs> Right. Once they've survived this endeavor, they ask for their transport to come pick them up, maybe to get them the hell out of there. Their transport crashes because a xenomorph has killed the crew. And when they go back in, they discover that, in fact, the reactor that runs this whole fucking shindig is going to blow up in a matter of a day or so. Now, there's a really there's now this is a prominent like theme in these alien movies is that there's always the company man, which is Paul Reiser in this particular one. Excellent. The company man is always trying to bring a sample of these aliens yeah. back to Earth. And it's like become, by this movie essentially, it's become Ripley's mission to make sure that does not happen. Yes. Um, because she's the only one that seems to take the threat of these things very seriously. Well, and that also, just from, the, just from this movie standpoint, there's always this kind of like hubris that, you know, we could use these things, right? Like this could be something that we could use. And... The, you know, Ripley is, you cannot control these, you can't control these things, right? These things will be the end they of They are you. more powerful than yeah, you. Yeah, they, they have a system. They're, the brutal physiology of these creatures is just too much for anyone to handle. And I don't think she wants them to be unleashed on anyone as well, right? It just is this, but it's got a great kind of hubris, which, once again, the later Alien movies really take over very well uh, in trying to control the species in general. And, but also... Because I had wanted to kind of conceptually link uh, Wages of Fear, my last selection, with Oh, yes, I wanted aliens. to ask you this. So you picked both of these movies yes. together, and both of them were supposed to be a representation of what you thought makes a good action film. So I think that, once again, you know, we talked about, about camera selection. Um, so, okay, a group of vagabonds selected by a shifty, immoral company have to go and go through perilous situations which they more than likely might not survive, who have to band together in different ways who, in order to survive a harrowing experience together. Wages of fear or aliens? What? Uh, aliens. Okay, yeah, well, whatever, but it's still like, I mean... Like, <laughs> no, I see, I see the, I, I see the, you know, they both have the company. Well, yeah, there's this... That's exploiting them. You know, slight anti-capitalist tone and mm -hmm. aliens more heavily... Where's overt. the cautionary tale yeah. in Wages of Fear? <laughs> yeah. But, um, but still, once again, this idea of, like, a group of vagabonds that go, or, you know, reject, rejects from society, um... And also, too, once again, I still maintain that this is a well-crafted film. I mean, uh, two hours long doesn't feel that long. Uh, it kind of drags in the middle if you're waiting for shit to happen, but, you know... Well, it, and then the kid trope, you know, of course, it's like they have to... The kid has to get lost, and then you have to go back and get it. Okay, well, there's There's a lot of 8 kilohertz screaming going on. Yeah, well, the child is, is the most bullshit part See, of the, in the story. First, yeah, in the and first, she's British. Well, but also, okay, but yeah. Nicole, in, in the first movie, there's no child, there's but what the is There's the cat. There? There's the fucking cat. And the cat is goddamn just as irritating, <laughs> <laughs> I assure you. She goes through more risks in the first oh Alien God. movie... To save to that save damn that cat. fucking cat named Jonesy. That made an appearance in the beginning. It was with her in the pod in the when they discovered yeah, her. So she, okay, yes. so at least, I mean, that's at least situational maturity on Sigourney Weaver's part. She has gone from being, um, she's gone from her, uh, her object of affection being a pet to being a child. So, right. you know, that shows a general <laughs> human maturity over absolutely, time. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, also, um, apparently, if we want to get into the details of the of the, the, the world of aliens, um, uh, apparently, we, we saw the, that was the theatrical version we watched. In the director's cut, um, there's several scenes at the Starbase when she gets picked up. Uh, it turns out Ripley actually had a daughter uh, in, the, in the original version of aliens, and uh. of course, now that she's been fifty-six years in space, her daughter has lived and died um, without her, and that partly, I think, explains the fact that you know why she would latch on to Newt, so to speak. Uh, that's a funny. Like, she'd latch on to the child Newt, <laughs> um, and, in such a powerful way. But I think it works. I think that that works fine without yeah, that. Exactly, because once again, we talked before about sharing the same experience, and I think that overall is a good enough connection. Yeah, to yeah that, build that, on yeah. As well. that was more than sufficient. Yeah, no, I think it's a little bit, you know, character overkill, if you will, to have mm -hmm. that connection there. But well, it just it doesn't. I, what else do you have to add to that? We already assume that Sigourney has now lost everything. 
exactly. having to jump forward. So all that does is kind of hammer on it unnecessarily. Yeah, I think so. I think you know, it's. A, I mean, it's it's a little el- less elegant to a certain extent. I mean, I'm floored at how many scenes didn't end up on the cutting room floor while they're going through the facility gearing up for this thing. Yeah, they spend no. a lot of time like yeah. just okay, so there's getting out of the cryo tanks and doing like, Yeah, okay, getting out of the cryo tanks is always a big like that's the big social thing when you get introduced to like the crew. Yeah. Uh, that that seems to be a pretty steady trope throughout all of them. Um the carrying around the weapons in this movie. <laughs> so when the the army people decide to go out. They are all heavily equipped. And by heavily equipped, I mean they all have basically like guns and rocket launchers that are like six times the size they are. <laughs> and you know who has the biggest one? Our sweet Mexican dikey woman. Vasquez. Vasquez. Baby, yeah. The gun she has is so ridiculously huge. She's like farm. She's doing like the farmer's walk the whole time while they're yeah. checking out the caves. And here's the best part: their guns don't even work in the base. So instead of putting them down, they continue to carry all this fire, all this this like you know, all these arms with them, while they're in no position to use them. Yeah. Um, I know that Mandy was making a a a connection that perhaps the gun was Vasquez's phallus, yes. which is why she did not want to put it down. Yes. Um, you know, I'm sure you could make that argument all over the place here. So there is a, <laughs> there is a running bit of commentary regard, of, an, of, of analysis of this film that the aliens themselves are the representation of, let's just call it the militarized vaginal influence in our in society <laughs> if you will i don't necessarily buy that although the face huggers seeing the underside that actually wraps around your face slightly vaginal and yet of course phallic because they have like a little tube that goes but down your throat but the thing is if you oh. if you follow Giger's work all of his work is very heavy either it's either phallic or vaginal well, like a lot of times too it, it like like he represents both all over the goddamn place yeah. unapologetically well that but that even you know, even representations in this art will have both yeah. going yeah. into this. The, you know, your very penis will penetrate your own vagina yeah. into the work itself. Yeah. And like yeah, I don't know that you could take a side on that. I agree, but that, it's that doesn't that doesn't fly. I just I just find it. It's just it's just funny that in this action movie, like the <laughs> how heavily armed they are throughout yeah. these first couple of scenes to face these toothed vagina monsters. Yeah, you Compens- know, <laughs> and the fact that that they're. Their weapons won't even work where they're searching. Yeah, you come to uh, face to it. Sometimes you just it's imp- awkward, impotent out. You know, <laughs> it happens to everyone. I hear, but <laughs> it's very awkward. Absolutely. Um, so they have a couple encounters. They seal off. They get killed. Uh, you know, they die. Yeah, because their <laughs> weapons death. aren't working anyways. Well, and then, but okay, just one thing. Thing yeah. about the cryo thing. Um, you know, why you want to spend some time is that you want that first encounter. I think the first encounter comes. About an hour or so into the film, when the when the when the the this group of marines goes into the little hive thing, the, the, the xenomorphs have kind of constructed, and I mean, almost all of them get wiped out in that scene. Yeah, I mean they they lose heavily numbers. There's only is it because they can't use their weapons? Yeah. They lose. Oh, they lose. <laughs> I don't know if you fucking current events, man, but we just got our asses kicked. Um, Hudson, who gives has some great lines. Um, but also, I think, reacts in the most human way possible, which is that if you discovered something like the Xenomorphs, I mean, being Marines and seeing, like, this shit's fucked up, right? we yeah. got to get out of here, and this is really, really bad. And he is not apologetic in the insistence that he has that this is fucked up. And, but once again, I mean, when you have these kind of, you know, scenes at the beginning and the cryo scenes as well, I mean, you want that, you want the attack on the Marines to have... a dramatic and emotional impact on the viewers. And I think that the 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 quality, like I said, I, the banter between them, um, you know, they there's, okay, I've also forgot to mention that there's one of the members of the crew is named Bishop, and Bishop is um, an artificial human. Yes, he's a synthetic. Artificial person, yeah. He, I prefer the term artificial He's played artificial by person. Lance Hendrickson, which makes him really creepy. Yes, he's very <laughs> creepy, but this has a special place in the canon of the uh, Aliens universe. Um, but they have like little games and tropes that they play, and I mean the the little the little scene like the knife play scene. If you know, you, you take a knife and five you stab finger it, fillet. Yeah, five finger fillet. You stab between the webbings of your hands. I mean, there's just little like there's these 
tight little moments and exchanges between the characters that show you that these people would have traveled together a lot, that they, they know a lot, a lot about their history, they've established interior jokes, and they have, like, personalized ways they, like, high-five each other. I mean, you get a sense of camaraderie with this group of people, and I have always found it... You know, the the the, stu- the two parts of the movie, which is essentially, you know, everything's fucked up and we got to ditch this fucking rock in an hour, uh, you know, and, versus the setup of getting and gearing and going into this thing. Um, the two halves of this movie, I think, work really well together. And I think part of the slowness that kind of builds you into this into this process is also, I think, I think sets up emotionally this idea that we've got to get out at all costs. And... You know, as the second half of the movie moves forward, as they as they're going through the process of figuring out how we're going to get out of then having the aliens attack them on their own turf and having to execute the plan while being chased by the aliens each step of the way, I think is I don't I think both halves of the movie work well together. I mean, I just from my own perspective, the technical aspects of the film that that make both section that make that second half very effective as an action movie, I don't think that carries as much impact as a cinematic experience unless you have this, you know, the fact that these people are running away from something and they're leaving behind people that they had cared about and that they've loved or that they've been close with in their own way. And once again, I to me, as a, you can imagine, you know, a little eight-year-old Ryan Riley, you know, watching this movie with his parents and being <laughs> like, being impacted by this as a kid. I was like... I, rated I, R. Yeah, rated R, yeah. But my parents... I, I saw the first Alien movie in the theater, too. The, yeah. uh, okay, okay. I was not allowed to watch rated R movies till I was like, I don't know, moved out of the house. The right age. <laughs> yeah. No, I probably and even then it was questionable. Yeah even, yeah, even then it was questionable. Alien was an acceptable R movie. So right. I saw that one when I was 12. Yes. <laughs> so it was... But I... Like I said, part of the reason, and I don't want to belabor the point at all, but like, I do like the... I do like the two halves of this movie, and I like the marine. I like the marine dynamic character. Uh, excuse me. I like the marine character dynamics that kind of go at the beginning component of this movie, and I like. I like the second monster movie appeal uh, of it as well. And, and to me, the two halves go very well together. If so. I can play fantasy action movie here real quick, lay it on me, Daddy-o. Um, I want the first half of Wages of Fear. Right. And the second half of this movie, because I think Wages of Fear <laughs> yeah. establishes the characters in a much more satisfying way to me. Excellent. Okay, cool. I'm glad to hear that, actually. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'll buy that. And the cinematography benefits the second half of Aliens much more than it does Wages of Fear. So, <laughs> so um, I mean, I like Wages of Fear on both halves. But So I want to point out, so at, at the point in the movie where, you know, like the first team gets, you know, annihilated and... They're basically sh- trying to shack up and not get attacked while they figure out how to get off this godforsaken planet that they went and landed on. Um, they came up with a plan, and this plan is important because every sci-fi movie fucking uses this yeah. one. It's when in doubt, nuke it. Nuke it, yes. Yes. Um, if I learned anything from in the future when I started watching Battlestar Galactica is that in space, if you have a problem, you just nuke it. Nice. Yeah. It doesn't matter the cost. Yeah. You just nuke it. And they they establish that that's probably the only plan they have. Yes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so they're going to do this. But, of course, this pisses off the company man who's like, this is, you know, this is a dollar figure. And one of my favorite... Burke. Burke, which <laughs> rhymes with jerk. jerk. Um, but one of the things... But my, one of my favorite replies is that Burke, when, when, when Ripley and Hicks are kind of like figuring out this nuke it plan... Burke's like, this is a multi-billion dollar facility. And Ripley's reply is, they can bill me. You know, like, I love her response to that. Like, fucking put it on my tab. Like, give me a break. Which I do, as just a response, like, really appreciate that. Because, like, when you're in the shit and you're being chased by xenomorphs, they're like, this is a billion dollar facility. It's like, all right, well, you fucking all right. I'll take the, I'll take the hit for the team. Put it on my card. Like, so, um... Okay, so I mean, do we need to get through this? They more of them die as they escape from the xenomorphs, trying to get to Bishop, who's calling down the escape, pl- uh, the escape uh, chopper. What I don't fucking know. All right. Um, but on the way, I guess Newt gets separated. And- yeah. So, so they they basically quarantined their, their themselves off. Um, but the xenomorphs found them and are actively attacking them. So they're basically just going through the tubes, trying to figure out how to get to the escape vehicle when they lose Newt. Yep. Um. So here's the fun part. Mm-hmm. So of course Ripley has to go back. Yes. And when she goes back, we see what is the best part of this movie. Yeah. And the, that the next the next the next level up, in right. the Giger 
yeah. in the in the Giger aliens. Um, you know, because we only saw the one in the first movie, and well, we've seen many of those of the little soldiers, if you will, yes, taking this yes. ant metaphor moving forward. Well, this colony yes. has a queen, absolutely, and she is actively laying eggs, which is why they needed all of those hosts to impregnate. You know, the people that were on the base originally, yes, because well, that's, right. well, that's the terrifying thing about the xenomorphs. They don't kill you; mm. they no. just wound you yeah. very severely. Yeah, they're, well, they're like a wasp. They're yeah. just parasitic. They like lay. You know, their babies like to eat you, so they lay their babies. And in by you. the way, I mean wasps as a they're as a general rule evil. are the most psychopathic side of nature in general. So you could think of these things as large, like I said, wasp ants. They they're they're structured very similar to ants, but they probably have the mentality of wasp because they're fairly evil. But this queen <laughs> is just wasp bashing on the on the actual garbage. Oh, podcast. wasps are terrifying. They're terrifying. actual garbage. Dot net yeah. not, is not in favor of wasps. Yeah, vehemently <laughs> anti wasp. Pro <laughs> pro B and wasp. Yeah. Um. So uh, so the queen she. Like, as far as, as movie-making monsters, the Queen is, like, just fucking beautiful. Yeah. She is, like, one of the most beautiful movie monsters of all time. She's enormous, and she's, like, she's got the big, like, lay tube, and she's laying the eggs, and she's very protect. And I just fucking love... This is probably my favorite movie monster of all time, which is what makes this movie... Like redeems it, kind of redeems this movie for me a little bit. Well, and the the, the reveal of of the queen is very cool too, because it's yeah. like Ripley goes into a room, we see the eggs, we hear that we hear this like it's quiet, but we hear this breathing, this like heavy breathing, and the camera like like moves up to like an over over almost an overhead angle, like a three quarter angle, and then we see this little figure come out of it, and then we get the establishing shot of the queen, and there's this light that comes from behind her. She has these. Tubes. Um, these yeah, she's got all her little lay tubes all over, yeah. like all, all excreting out. But it's oh, like, I'm sorry, ovipositors. And it's but <laughs> it's a very cool reveal, and it's really like I said. You talk about the the fact that these that the the part of the aesthetic of the xenomorphs has been designed by by an artist, an actual god. You know, yeah. The, an well, that's that's artist, part like, of what makes Alien cool is the design of yes. the aliens. That's yeah. what's always like at its heart drawn me into this series, and um. I just love, I just love the queen. Absolutely. Um, I just, she's such an amazing movie monster. <laughs> and so she's she, so beautiful. Yes, and she gives chase as they are running through this. Yeah, well, you know, so of course, so of course, Ripley, who doesn't want any of the xenomorphs to survive, has her flamethrower and she's killing the eggs, and this, of course, pisses off the queen. So yes. she detaches from her ovipositor and proceeds to. Go after Ripley yes. as she should with Newt. Yeah. yeah, so Newt and Ripley are on their escape from this imminently exploding multi thermonuclear. Whatever. This <laughs> yeah, is... they have like four seconds yeah. to get and to the ship, and so they're running. Oh, down. by the way, yeah. apparently <laughs> there's a VO announcer. Yes, informing you a informing countdown. Informing you specifically that there is a countdown mm -hmm. that is going to vaporize the facility. Yes. This is a really specific message. Yes. <laughs> Please, you have four minutes to meet, reach minimum safe distance, David. Well, and then she, I think she actually literally says, or... Yeah, yeah. Or you like, will be I'll, vaporized. I'll, ju I'll just I'll insert that okay. in. The message yeah. is so specific. Yes. It is... It's really silly. Oh, absolutely. But it's like, you know, I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar facility. You'd expect to have a little bit of a cutting edge. But they want to make sure... 43 million adjusted <laughs> dollars. Well, they want to make sure everyone gets out safely. That's, yeah. That's one of my only one of my only Cameron tropes that I actually I enjoy to no end is uh, the use of... The use of jargon in that way, which uh, everybody got pissed off at in Avatar for unobtainium. Yes. Yeah. Adjusted dollars may be my favorite, though. Yeah. That's just, that's a great expression. Yeah. It's completely <laughs> vacuous. Well, <laughs> like, oh, this means a lot now. means a lot of money. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay, so, I mean, we're heading into the final co uh, confrontation here. Um, like all good movies, there's a false, a false climax to it. She gets back to the Sulaco. Um, what we find is, is of course, is that uh, they they dock with the main ship. They're off, they're getting off the main ship. Everything appears to be fine. Uh, a little shake of Bishop's hand, you know, maybe she's forgiven the artificial human. Uh, but no, of course, it um, Bishop. They have a hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah. The Queen has uh, hitched a ride on the escape pod, and uh, there begins a, a one of the most famous 
in uh, clashes in cinema history. Obviously, a unarmed uh, Ripley is no match for the Queen. But we got to remember that Ripley is a hard scrabble, dock working, badass bitch, and she, of course, has this <laughs> massive. You know, okay, yes, forklift with forklift legs. Yeah, so her big her big through. transformer suit that she was demonstrating that she knows how to use earlier when she was working the docks. Right. Well, she has her opportunity to use it now. Absolutely, mm. and she begins this mono a mono duel with the queen. Um, the queen's chasing Newt as Ripley seemingly runs away and gets herself into this. And she opens the door and she has a little suit and she's like, Get away from her, you bitch! It's a great movie line. Uh, and then they begin to fight and beat the shit out of each other. And, I mean, it's, it is just good cinema shit. I mean, it's like really, really Actually, cool. Actually, and I was just thinking, because, you know, the other main character, obviously, is the queen, who's also female. So yes. we get, you know, basically, mm. yeah, good... This is Good. a Bechdel test, actually. No, yeah. back, no, that's actually how the movie passes the Bechdel test, is Ripley saying, get away from her, you bitch, <laughs> is a woman talking to another woman <laughs> yeah. about a woman. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there we go. We cleared it. Boom. All right. Glad we got through that. Uh, nice. Nice. <laughs> so, I, mean, I forgot to add, yes. Yeah, so the queen's probably... The queen... Alien in this movie is probably one of my favorite female movie characters. As well. Well, there you the go. Queen Alien, very yeah. good. <laughs> um, well, unfortunately for Nicole, the uh, Queen Alien loses. <sighs> like all aliens, this time, yeah, like all aliens movies, she has to get shot get, out of the airlock. I know. I always get really like sad at <sighs> that. I, like I like I literally get sad at that it's part. Fu- she's probably not dead. She's probably fine. Yeah, I know, well, but you know, can, yeah, they can do that kind of thing. Yeah, but I just wanted them to like leave her alone, and then she could just go on. Well, with they her are life. leaving her alone. She's <laughs> in space now. Yeah. So, I mean, in the end, they just should have the gone end. there anyways. Yeah. like it would have just saved a bunch of time and money. Let sleeping LB four two sixes. Yeah, exactly. David. That's what we got to do. Yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, once again, this. I mean, I like this movie a lot, and. Um, you know, I know in a certain way, I think that, you know, Wages of Fear is or can be this kind of kind of enjoyment. I mean, um, when you read back about Wages of Fear, you, you, you can see that this was like really popular movie in its time. I mean, people were like excited to go to see this. This was, you know, action movie. Also, Wages of Fear um, was respected at its time period as well for being the kind of first in this. But it's also kind of changed over how we tend to view what movies like you know, Bridge of the River Kwai, Wages of Fear, these early, um, you know, action movies uh, in their in their 40s and 50s. I mean, today, I, action movies dominate cinema. Uh, they dominate... I mean, if, we, if we're including superhero movies, which oh, yeah. I would in the realm of action films, yeah. um, I mean, they dominate uh, world cinema today. I mean, I mean, not just in the U.S., like world cinema. And... I guess that's fair. I mean, well, absolutely. In terms of money, I mean... Yeah. Yeah, like, it is... Furious 7. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, <laughs> Oh God, <laughs> Michelle Rodriguez as the Dyke Hispanic Vasquez. I'm telling yeah. you. So, oh, oh, I did. I had one more Michelle Rodriguez Vasquez parallel. Yeah. Um, so Vasquez goes out the same way Michelle Rodriguez would later go out in Resident Evil, which means she was like the badass chick that said, "No, I will stay here and sacrifice myself so that you guys can get away." Right. As the what insert bad things that are coming. Yes. Well, that. Um, I'm, and then when they get to me, I'm going to kill myself because yes. I don't want them to kill me the way they want to kill me. Yes. Like, fuck yes. You. Like they'll. Yep. So, Die on your own terms. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that played out in tons of future. Absolutely. Action films. <laughs> so you get these, I mean, once again, the, the film's full of, it's full of tropes, stereotypes, on and on and on. But at the same time. Oh, man, time, it covers all of them. Like, you'll oh. see every, like, every action movie that comes after 1986 Aliens, you will see all of them in in this movie. Absolutely. And it's, I mean, it should be said, too, that, you know, James Cameron, you know, one of the more powerful Influencers' voices in Hollywood coming from this time period. I mean, the guy who can tell this... a story that everybody can follow. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that influence remains. I don't think that is left. <laughs> well, and, and once again, to kind of make to kind of talk about the point here, I mean that there's a certain quality to that. I mean, there's just a certain once again. The, it's good for the money making. Well, but it's once again I, the idea that they had to have a deft understanding of this because capitalism once again, always wins in these movies, Ryan. It won in Wages of Fear. It's winning here uh, in yeah. a in a more you know meta sense. Yeah, and we're, just, <laughs> and we're just one weird electing one weird haircut away to prove it even further. So you know they've got all kinds of issues with this. But I mean, once, okay, there's a thing about it's hard oftentimes 
to clearly explain why a movie is really good or great, like what you really like about a movie. I mean, sometimes it can be hard to put your finger on it, but you always know what's wrong with a bad movie, right? You, it's very clearly to say, like, this, this is a shit movie for these reasons. But, I mean, the qualities of what makes something a good movie can sometimes be difficult to pin down. And to make a movie that is both, that is not as bold in its artistic expression, but at the same time is so well executed and its story was contained enough and it the the execution of this of this of the editing of the storytelling of the of the of the choices and how of, of direction and the actors as well um well because I mean, it, all those things are, are well done and, and and synthesized well and and once again it doesn't get in the way of the movie and that's experiential yeah absolutely that's, which is what makes it so difficult i mean that's our perennial reference for this is wes anderson right you can't you can't describe why Wes Anderson movies are good after, no, because it's like the, after the second viewing. It's be, it's like the weird nuances in them that you either pick up on or you don't. Yeah, you can't say that you know, you the character can, design is this good for this reason. The other thing is you can't – if somebody doesn't see it, you can't – it's hard to convince them that it's there. <laughs> I know. When you, we'll, like, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about Wes Anderson movies and we'll just like repeat lines from scenes that are our favorites. And we're yeah. – you know, we, we get and it's it. Like, like, it's yeah, like you I get it or you don't get it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that – I mean that happened in Undertale over and over again is Hanari – it really is hard to talk about a game like Undertale if someone hasn't played it. Yes. Be, and I could feel – her pain attempting to express the things she wanted to talk about because every time she brought up a quip or mentioned a scene, I I understood right. why she liked it so much. But it's literally like she's just trying to vibe her way into convincing <laughs> yes. you because there's no there's no other avenue for Absolutely. it. You can't describe what makes it powerful. Absolutely. And it's just but at the same time, you know, like when my mother like tips over the canoe and she's standing wet on the edge of the bank and she's like, "This is fucked, man. Game over. Where's the real pretty shit now, man?" You know, and and it's like I know what she's talking about. You know, like that's I love that guy from Aliens, and it's so you know like in the same way that I guess it's entered our lexicon as a family. Well, that, yeah, that well, we and share it, that's, these kind of experiences yeah, through Aliens, and that's for you too. It's like you're either into the Alien, yeah. like the 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 concept art behind this, or you're not because um. I found it really funny. There was this kid at the gym, got his first tattoo. He's, like, showing it off. It, mm -hmm. it, it's, I mean, it's not the same tattoo I have, but it's basically the same concept, which is it's a little circular, like, iconic alien xenomorph yep. tattoo. And this kid's probably 15 years younger yep. than I am. And <laughs> well, I'm like, wow, I got that same first tattoo, essentially, like, 15 years ago. Well, in that... <laughs> like, you're either into the concept art or you're not. <laughs> but it's also kind of cool that, once again, the the... The one thing that kind of keeps this series together, you know, is Ripley. The xenomorph as, a, as an idea, as an aesthetic, as and a for monster actually, is very, is very and effective. And for the, later, for the later crowds, like the younger crowds, the whole alien versus predator, because we had two action movies that basically their universes collided oh, in yes. the, you know, millennial age. And now we have a alien versus predator franchise. Yes. I don't. I knew nothing about this. No, me neither. Okay. I mean, but that's, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. But the, but, but the, that's where that's where this story's take has 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 developed into. I now know what both the Alien and Predator look like, <laughs> so I suppose I would be prepared to watch that film. I yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to. Good. But yeah. No. Alien, a uh, uh, Predator, actually, in terms of just fun '80s action movies. That's a Schwarzenegger. Yeah. That's a good fun yeah. Schwarzenegger. Oh, and talk about like as it as it goes through as well. I mean, it is just brutal in the, in yeah. its, <laughs> the way it goes through characters. It's knocking them down. Also, though, I mean, the Predator 2 is in some like gang-ridden alternate like Trump future. <laughs> oh, I've never where it's, seen like, that fucking one. Danny Glover's in it, and Gary Busey plays the secretive government agency that's trying to capture <laughs> the Predator He's alive. He's part of the company. He's part of the company. Oh, there's some good shit in that too. And okay, that sounds like the kind of thing that's more fun to explain than to watch. Uh, well, no, okay, no, because it's a Joel Silver film, and they know that they're ridiculous and bullshitty, so they just it just <laughs> goes for it. I mean, yeah. it, it is its own bull. It is, I mean, it's it definitely watch it in Ebrae. That's all I'd say. <laughs> but regardless of which, so uh, aliens, yeah, aliens, yeah. Back to it. Um, I mean, do you want to? I mean, can, 
Can I say final thoughts here? If you want to put, dude, you've been sure. saying all sorts of thoughts. I don't yeah. know why you couldn't finalize them. Final thoughts, though. <laughs> yeah. Kind of like summarize where we're at here a little bit, or um, you know, let's go ahead and sign off for the movie that I didn't really plan on actually talking about this long that we have as well. So, I know yeah. you give a quite comprehensive uh, outline on your feelings on this. Well, absolutely. Yeah. But the thing is that I didn't want to like get belabored in plot and like devices. I mean, we could, I could go into some of these. There's finer... so many devices. Yeah, I mean, no, I, could... I don't think studying that in any one film makes sense. Well, and especially too that as this thing kind of sets up the patterns for it. I mean, I kind of, you know, mentioned the, the you know, the, the, the motion sensor that g- gets b- beeps closer that builds, you know, dramatic yeah. tension in well, a, like, a okay, diegetic like sound the way format. The, I mean, the way the xenomorphs move in this is basically is, is they look like part of the wall until they start moving. So, like, you never know they're on you until they're literally yeah, on they're top of you, yeah. like above you crawling. And that's a pretty good, I mean... It was it was it was it was a good way to build suspense. Like you know, it makes it a little creepier. Yeah. And I always felt like at its heart, this was a little bit more of like I said, kind of a horror film originally. Yes. Like you know, more sci-fi horror than maybe sci-fi action. So yes. I felt like they did keep some of those some of those elements in terms of like the creepiness and way the way the xenomorphs attack and such. Yeah. It feels like a Vietnam film. Does it? Right. No, because I think once again, is this a war movie? Is this a horror movie? Is this a straight? Well, and it's it, specifically, it's, it's the it's the unknown that you're traversing through. It's yeah. not like World War II where you can see the force and the bombs and, and all the like shit. You're, you're it's the you're Charlie. just waiting. Yeah, you're on patrol in yeah. the jungle, you know. Yeah. And it, but it, actually, Predator is literally that. Like, yes. <laughs> like they're in the jungle, like getting taken out by yes. this thing. Yeah. yeah. So it. And in that grand tradition of American <laughs> cinema. Um, but once again, I think that, you know, it, it is intriguing. It is just, it is what it is. It is a meat and potatoes film. It fucking rocks. I mean, I, mean, I really couldn't ask more from just a good, solid movie. Uh, one out of one stars. I think Joey's criteria really, criteria really matches up here. Uh, I would watch this movie again. You know, I get myself And you have. Up. I have, I would. <laughs> and it's just, you know... I like it. I like it a lot, and I am, you know, always eager to watch it with and you know share it with new people. So uh, good watching yeah. it with friends this time. Yeah. Um, I liked Wages of Fear better. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because I feel like Wages of Fear embraced its slower tempo. Yep. In a way, but I also I know for I know for a fact that the pace of modern movies has sort of alloyed my ability to appreciate the speed that this movie moves mm-hmm. at. Mm-hmm. It's just. When you watch when you watch a movie from the eighty any movie from the eighties has this problem the the number of bullets is just different. All right. The um you, when Jason Bourne shoots or punches someone they go down or if the fight is going to take a long time they are constantly changing scenes it's just it is frenetic right. in a way that I really really enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I was born in the right generation to appreciate that. Right. But um, Aliens was still a fun. It was a fun thing to watch. I I have my hangups with James Cameron being um, kind of the progenitor of a lot of things I don't like about Hollywood in yeah. a cultural sense. Absolutely. Um, he is a huge fan of the cautionary tale, which I think has been like actually poisonous to real life. Um, but other than that, he makes a good film. So right. I would still recommend this film, even for people like me. Awesome. Um, you know, I'm a fan of the Alien series in general. Uh, you know, if I had to line up the order in which my I I lo- appreciate the Alien films, mm-hmm. it's one, four, two, three. Right. Um, so this one isn't my favorite one, but you know, if you're into the Alien, you know, watch the Alien movies. They're, yes. They're good. Yeah. They're 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 fun action films. You know, like I said, the I love the artwork of the Alien, so that keeps me in, you know engaged in many ways. Mm-hmm. And I've I've always enjoyed them since I was a small child. Yep. I'm a four two one three on the Alien scale <laughs> as well. So I, I I noticed we don't notice we didn't say five anywhere in this either. Yeah, I don't know what was going on Prometheus with that. Prometheus nonsense is ridiculous. That's like that's like post era. That's like you know I, I I put that with Alien versus Predator. That's I like was, that's like a Alien's different era. Alien's not the name. That's a spinoff. That, yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's a separate. Don't, it's a separate universe. Don't just. 
if you can find someone, you might not be friends with them. You might have to find locate someone that is actually a fan of that fucking movie. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, anyone. exactly. Yeah, no, we don't. We don't. I know a lot of people, people who watched it and didn't like exactly. it. Exactly. Once again, good people. You know what I mean? Like people. Well, we would no, like. just all people. I don't. Yeah. I don't know anyone who likes it's, that movie. I, I didn't realize I could like dis like actively dislike a movie that much. <laughs> I was like really so. I mean, I, I kind of have like some passions about things. You know that are many people find odd. I was really. I really dislike that movie a lot. I, that almost makes me want to watch it. Oh, God. Well, just not when I'm here, all right? I'll go on vacation right. for you to watch right, that that's movie. Fine. Don't, well, pick, don't after, pick it. I'm, I do want to... No, no, no. I won't, I won't pick it. So, okay, so after after all of this alien talk, you know, because I hadn't officially settled on my movie pick yet. Oh, excellent. All right. But... Uh-oh. Reveal. We haven't done Kubrick yet, and I yeah. really... I want to tackle 2001, and this is going to be tough. Like, it's a big movie to tackle, but I want to watch it again on a big screen. Yeah. And it is, it is, it is space in the era of mid-century modern, and it's, I don't know what considered one of the most, like, brilliantly ambiguous films of all time. (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I, they're they're still arguing about the ending. I'm looking. I'm looking forward to. I mean, that guy got caught up in customs because. Someone wanted him to explain it. The Arthur C. Clarke, yeah, who it's based on. So, um, it's going to be a big undertaking, but I'm really excited. I like really lengthwise, no, or, just or just conceptually. It, it's the movie is very conceptual, and I'm interested to see what other people think yes. about it because it's got so many cool. Like I said, it's 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 space in the mid-century modern era. Well, and it is so and when it was the, happening. The the clean plastic lines and egg shaped chairs are there. Yeah, no. Having is, not seen this movie, I'm still intimately aware of yeah, what space looks of, like in that yeah, era. Yeah. yeah. No, I. This okay. And like I said, oh, it is considered de- one of like the best films ever made. Yeah, we are doing 2000 with set. I am. All right, I am looking for. I have not seen this film in over a decade. I'm a, I've never watched it on like a projector size wow. screen and I've, I think that's going to help. I have not seen it in 26 years. And you're not so. uh, yeah, you've, seen, you've seen a couple Kubrick films before. It's I have. Kubrick. I didn't like either of them, so we'll find out. He Excellent. doesn't give a fuck whether you <laughs> like them or not. That is fine with me. <laughs> All right. That's fine with me. He's famous without my input, so that's uh, entirely his well, prerogative. Well, damn. I got to I got to I feel like I got to start training for this, you know, like 2001. <laughs> All right. Let's Let's cut this fucker off. I know off it's. So I, I know started. it's a big thing. I know, and you haven't seen. You haven't seen a Clockwork Orange. Clockwork Orange yet, and that that would be a good racy one to pick. But I've been wanting to tackle 2001 for a while now, no, and fun. I feel like it's a good space. Yeah. You know, uh, transition and, and to, here. To watch, a, watch a space movie. Yeah. Movie in space. So mm-hmm. loving the, linking the themes together. This yeah. is good. Yeah. Uh, you haven't seen Shining either. The Shining. No. Fucking Shining. hilarious movie, man. Really great. Yeah. yeah. All right, that's going to do it. Till next time. Nicole, Ryan, thanks for joining. This is David. See everybody later.